following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Last week when we got together, we, talk, we talked about a topic we don't often talk about or people don't talk a lot about, and that's the invisible realm. Everybody put your hands up and reach around. Don't poke somebody next to you in the eye. Okay, there's a world all around us. And the Bible says, hi, everybody. Everyone's waving. So I'll do the wave. Um, the Bible says, greater are the things that are unseen than the things that are seen. So there is a realm, there is a dimension. And we said, don't get freaked out or get weird about it. Like, oh no, what's going on? You know, the devil and a third of the angels were cast down. This is the biblical narrative of what happened on good and evil. The devil who's not like God, not equal with God, not all-knowing, not all-powerful, not always present, a created angel, okay? Not even remotely on the same page as the Father, Son, and Spirit. Cast down with a third of the angels. So the reality is those principalities the Bible refers to have some sort of dominion in what they are doing in and around the earth for a season of time. Uh, Greater are the things that are unseen than the things that are seen. So there is a dimension going on around us. It's not to weird us out or to freak us out, but I believe if any of you in this room have been a Christian for any length of time, now is the time to start understanding spiritual warfare. Everybody say spiritual warfare. Some of you might be like, well, I don't really like war. I'm more of a peaceful kind of person. Listen, there is a spiritual battle. You are in it, and you can win it. That's a reality. There's no opting out. There there is a reality of a realm around us, and God gives us tools and resources to be victorious in that realm, and that's why it's important to talk about them and not ignore them, to understand how it works in the invisible realm. And here's why. Oftentimes, things are happening in the invisible realm, and we misinterpret what's going on, and we think it's natural. And sometimes our response is a natural response when really there's something going on in the spiritual realm, and our response needs to be a spiritual approach. Does that make sense? And so many people go through something spiritual, don't know how to quantify it, don't know how to calculate it, they're not clocking the source of what's going on, and they'll turn around and respond in the flesh, in the natural The devil laughs about that. We get set back on that. God wants to give us tools and resources. In fact, he's given us plenty of them. And that's why we have to talk about the topic to bring it up uh, because I believe we're living in times where God is calling us all to a deeper spiritual awareness. You You guys sensing, is it just me or do you sense more things going on around the world than you think previous generations have gone through? Just turn on the news at 11 o'clock if you you needed a, a... Uh, an expression of that. And you'll say, what are these people thinking? What's going on? There are people that deal with spiritual things and they don't know how to process them. They don't have the tools or the resources or they're not in God's kingdom and they end up doing the wrong things with these. Uh, Greater are the things that are unseen than the things that are seen. Now, as we set this up, it's important to say that the overall victory was already won by Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. We can give him a hand clap for that one, okay? The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And before the cross, the devil was saying, great, I'm taking a lot of people with me. See, the devil already knows the way it ends. So he just wants to take whoever he can with him. 
Uh, he just wants to spoil the party for the rest of us and pull as many people down. That's his motive. That's his uh, way, a modus operandi. That's the way he works. That's the way he functions. It's what he does. It's what he's been doing a long time. Income, son of God. The sacrifice for the sins of the world. Paid a price so that people can be redeemed back to the Father and have eternity in his presence and that we could literally be redeemed, which means bought back. Like there was a direction, there was an outcome, but Jesus bought everyone back and says, whoever says yes, grabs my hand and follow me, you get to come. Whoever, whosoever, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so all along the way, if you're in this room, you're probably one of the ones who said, me, Yes, me, Jesus. I, I believe what you did. I, I want to I wanna get in on your provision. Thank you. And then we become the redeemed ones or the called out ones or the ecclesia is the word in the Bible for church. That's where the Spanish word iglesia comes from. We're the called out ones. We become the, like the chosen people of the 21st century, the ones who have said yes to Jesus. And as sons and daughters of God, there are provisions that we have, provisions for our victory, provisions to, to overcome. And so... I want to look at a couple of scriptures, if you can. I, we may have these for the overhead up here for the projector, but this is where we launched off of last week, and then I want to jump into 1 Corinthians passage. But this is what it says in Ephesians 6.11. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is writing to a group of believers like us. He's saying, yes, all you people that said yes to Jesus and have the spirit in you, remember, there's still a war going on. And it's about powers, principalities, and rulers. He's referring to invisible forces. These are a reality that Christians cannot check out from. We cannot ignore. The worst thing is to be in a battle and not even know that you're in one. That's the worst thing. And there's a lot of believers going through life in a battle, but they don't quantify it. They don't see, they don't recognize it and processing everything the wrong way and getting set back all the time. And God wants to break us through for victory in these areas. This is a key part of your spiritual walk. This is a key part of your spiritual formation. God is forming all of us, conforming us into his image. This is a component we can't miss out on. Spiritual warfare is so important. Spiritual discernment. It says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the devil's schemes. Everyone say the devil's schemes. He's got these schemes. He's been using them all along. He's found some that work pretty good with humanity, and he keeps using the same schemes over and over again because he's gotten better at them, and they tend to work. You and I have to discern the schemes and also discern that oftentimes his scheme is for you and I to think the problem is in the natural realm when the problem is really in the spiritual realm. This is one of his schemes. For example, in a marriage, if a marriage goes through bumpy things and goes through problems, then one spouse is beginning to think that their, their spouse is possibly the enemy. This is what happens. In fact, this is what happens in every marriage that goes through the D word, right? At some point, at some point, they start thinking the other one is the enemy, right? The other spouse is not the enemy, but there is an enemy behind it. So although we don't see the devil, we do see his scheme, right? His scheme is being played out right in front of us, but people are not discerning the source. They're thinking it's the person. 
may be similar on the job, maybe in the workplace. Maybe things are going on and, you know, you're trying to do a good job and you're showing up and you're giving it your all and for some reason the whole world's coming against you and you just think the boss is just a bad guy or he doesn't like you or doesn't get it and we think it's natural. Guess what? It's not. If you're a believer with the Spirit in you and you're going to do your best and there's something coming against you, there's something behind that. Does that make sense? There's something behind. And if we're not clocking with the stuff, we miss it. And we're losing these battles along the way. We're struggling going, why is this, all this stuff going on? Because we're not recognizing the devil's schemes. We're not recognizing that it's not about the flesh and blood. That's really not the warfare. That's not the struggle. The struggle is powers, principalities, rulers, and dominions. Here's a scriptural overview. Now, next week, we're going to look at the specific weapons. Just like if you went through boot camp, they'd show this is a clip, it's an M16, this is a grenade, you pull it, you throw it, you know, uh, you know, get away from it. Uh, there's all sorts of things in the arsenal. You know, there's knives. Everything they would teach you in, in, in warfare, they would teach you how to use the specific weapons. Today, I just want to give you an overview on spiritual warfare, specifically how the devil gets in. Because we're talking about his schemes. And did you ever see something in the middle of something, you're trying to figure it out, and then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, the devil's in the middle of this. Anybody ever do that? Like a situation, a problem, maybe family, whatever. You're like, wait a minute, the devil's right in the middle of this thing. You ever, ever happen to anybody? You ever wonder how? Well, today we're looking at how. How the devil gets in. How he gets in to stir it all up and turn it all around in the first place. And, and I think if we can recognize this, we'll be much more victorious. And the launching pad is, and I love this scripture, it's 2 Corinthians 10. If you have your Bible, you can open it there. Uh, if not, I believe we have it for the projector as well. And this gets into, although the rest of Ephesians is going to talk about specific weapons, helmets, breastplates, and all these things, spiritually what they mean and how they work. So important that you know this. But this Corinthians passage is giving us another insight to the invisible realm that you and I, I think, need to uh, come to terms with. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 10.4. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everyone say divine power. Divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This, church, is how the devil gets in the mix. Right here. This is how the devil gets in the mix. He's got these schemes. And the Bible elaborates on what his schemes are. And it says that they are arguments, pretensions, and thoughts. Arguments, pretensions, and thoughts. Now, we don't think of the devil getting in this way, and that's why we need to identify this stuff. This is exactly how he gets in the mix, with arguments, pretensions, and thoughts. Later in Ephesians 6.16, the Bible says uh, they're like fiery darts that he shoots or flaming arrows, depending on your translation. Now, uh, if we could somehow get a visual of what this might look like in the spiritual realm, back in the old days, in the war, the enemy was far away. Okay, And you couldn't get to the enemy. They weren't even in a, in a proximity where they can have combat. They weren't close enough for combat. But what the first wave of offense for the, for the enemy would do is flaming arrows. They would take flaming arrows, point them as high as they could, and let them go. And even though you're far from the enemy, far away, thinking he can't get you, 
somehow flaming arrows are landing. And we're going to talk about more of that next week. But these flaming arrows, fiery darts, are some way that he, he almost shoots an idea. He, he, he throws a, uh, the, the terminology here is some argument at you. How did it end up in your mind is a miracle. This side of heaven, we won't exactly know how this spiritual war- warfare works out in detail. But you're not just a, sp- a physical being. In fact, you're not a physical being having a momentary spiritual experience down here on earth. You are a spiritual being, being having a momentary physical experience on earth. Does that make sense? We are spiritual beings. So there is dimensions in the spiritual realm. And when an arrow comes flying, somehow spiritually, there's a thought. Have you ever had a thought that you start thinking about and you go, where in the world did that come from? Anybody? Is it just me, the only weird one in the room? Right? You're like... I didn't want that thought. I didn't ask for that. Where did that thought come from? I don't even like that thought, you know? Um, some bizarre, it could be anything. Where did that come from? Is that just weird? Or is that maybe a... And that, see what I mean? Or is it one of these arrows? The problem is, we're not recognizing where they're coming from. We think maybe it's us. And then, all of a sudden, this argument or pretension or this thought we start to think about it for a little while. And we start to wonder, maybe debate it, maybe chew on it for a while. And all of a sudden, we start to buy into an idea that was never from the heart of God. In fact, it was so contrary to God's heart and his will for our life. But some reason, this idea or this pretension or this argument, we start to buy into. For example, marriage is having a tough time. Sally's at work with Betty. And Sally says, you know what? You never should have married him anyway. Says to Sally, Sally says, you'd be better off without him. And Betty starts going, you know, I was wondering that myself. Now here's where argument and pretension start to grow. Does this make sense? The devil's laughing. He's just like, boom, step out of the way and watch it all take place. But we don't know that's what's going on. We're, we're ignorant to that. Someone's having a hard time. They feel hurt, and Sally is saying you'd be better off without him, and, you know, why do you let him do this to you? You just need to go out and get a new future. I did it. You should do it. This is the typical information. And someone's thinking, maybe I can. I wonder if I should, and yeah, I think maybe I will. And all of a sudden, what God put together, let no man take apart, it's being dismantled. Hell is having a heyday, and it started with a dart, and no one saw it or recognized the source. Does that make sense? This is an argument, a pretension, a thought. And this passage is telling us, family, please understand this. Take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. If you hear a song on the radio you don't like, do you turn it up or change the station? I hope you change the station. You don't need to endure that, okay? Life is too short. La vida es muy corta. You don't have to listen to that stuff. If something is really bad, change it, okay? It's the same way. The devil will shoot something at you and me. We can either let it play in rotation or do what scripture is saying, take the thought captive. I love the visual for this. How many of you are old school in the room and remember King Kong? Anybody King Kong? All right, half of us. The rest of you are new school. school. Back in the day, King Kong was on TV uh, and, you know, the movies and and he would climb the Empire State Building. You guys remember that? How many remember him on the Empire State Building? Like straight up climbing the Empire State Building, okay? And these planes were trying to get him, like the fiery darts. 
And what he would do is he'd reach up and grab them and he'd cast them down. You guys remember that? That was the coolest thing, grabbing these little biplanes right out of the sky, poof, blowing them up. That's the visual on what this is telling us right here. Take captive every thought. There's a little plane zipping around your head, fiery darts from the enemy to do a King Kong on them, grab them and throw them down. But if we don't, if we don't, they stay in rotation. They're like a bad song on the radio and they keep going over and over again and pretty soon you're humming the song. Isn't that what happens? Don't you start humming the melody of a song you can't even stand, right? Why does that happen? Because it's in rotation. And then we start buying into it. We didn't ask to, but we just do. This is saying, take the thought captive. This is really cool. And it says, make it obedient to Christ. This is really important. To take the thought and say, hey, Jesus, are you good with this? Jesus, are you good with it? I want to make this obedient to you, Jesus. Are you good with this? Is this what you say? I'm trying to figure where this is coming from. I've been thinking about this for a while. I want to take a captive. Is this what you say? And some people skip all these steps. And they get a thought, they get an idea, not even realizing that the mind is a battlefield, that there was a fiery dart, and there's a pretension and an argument that's building, and it's building momentum. We got our own judge and jury going on in here, right? And all of a sudden, we're coming to some verdict or conclusion, or we're starting to act on something that we never even took captive. Does that make sense? And before you know it, we're acting on a false pretense that we believe that's the simple way the devil gets in. It's not some big clash going on out there. Sometimes it is. There's other things going on. The Bible declares that, states that. But oftentimes, it's like this. There's the dart. There's the idea. There's the concept, the pretense. There's the argument. What do you do with it? Do you stew on it? Do you take it captive? This is saying take it captive and cast it down. Make it obedient to Christ. Jesus, did you say this? Um, And the problem is, if you don't, you can start stewing on something for hours. Start stewing on it for hours. God wants you liberated. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. He looks at you as a blood-bought son or daughter. Of the he looks at you as free, and yet we're stuck for hours. The hours may turn into days. Those days may turn into weeks, may turn into months, may turn into years. And yet that's not the heart of God. That's sort of, it, this is saying what we are to do. This is so destructive if we camp out on a thought, a pretense, or an argument, and don't immediately do something with it. You, it'll, it'll, it'll change you. It'll wreck you. It'll cut in on you. This says we are to demolish strongholds. Demolish strongholds. Literally wreck them. Crush strongholds. This is cool. And God's given us divine power to do it. Divine power. Power from heaven in the spirit to crush strongholds. That is your calling. So don't think like, oh, I don't really want to know about spiritual warfare. I don't really care. You're in the war whether you like it or not. You can win it. We're all in it, but recognizing the source and demolishing stuff along the way is what we're all called to do. For example, when someone believes a lie, one of these lies, one of these arguments, one of these pretensions, these are the terms the Bible is using, a thought, pretension, or argument. It gets shot from a long way away. We don't know where it came from. We don't take it captive. We start pondering on it, thinking about it, and starting to build a case based on this false pretense that we never asked Jesus, Jesus, are you good with it? Never did that. And so we're building on it. And then time turns into another thing. And if we believe the lie, the Bible is starting to use these words like give the devil a foothold. 
talking to Christians. Some people are like, oh, I can't have a foothold, I'm a Christian. He's talking to Christians. He's like, this is how the devil gets a foothold. A foothold, if any of you have ever done any mountain climbing or rock climbing at all, you can't get up that thing. Most of your climbing, by the way, is with your feet. Most people who climb really well, they'll tell you most of the climbing, their hands do a little bit, but their feet do most of it. And you've got to find a place to get your toe, like toehold, a little foothold. If you get a place for your foot, you can launch all the way to the next section. But you've got to find a place to get your feet. Otherwise, you're not going to scale that mountain. And this is saying that the devil wants to scale you and me, try to scale us from the outside in. And he's looking for a foothold. Does that make sense? It's like, get off me. We've got to understand where these footholds, he's talking to Christians. I'm not hyper-spiritualizing anything. This is the word of God written to believers It applies 2,000 years ago the same way it applies right now to discern how this happens. For example, Ephesians 4, 5 says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. The scripture is saying, you wanna know how the devil gets in? Here's how. When you're angry and you don't deal with it and you go to sleep, you go to sleep with a argument, pretension, and a thought in your mind. It's right on your heart and it's very strong. And you go to sleep with it. And that is giving root to this bitter thing. There's something, there's a seed planted of bitterness and it's growing. And as it's growing like any weed, it starts to choke out life. Isn't that what happens? Weeds start to choke out life. They don't care what's in the way. They'll do anything they can to survive. They start choking out. And they start choking out things in our life. And this is saying that this is how the devil begins a foothold. Foothold is is one of the terms. Uh, This passage also goes on. Uh, in fact, a, a, good, um, a, a good example of this is when, for example, if your sun goes down on your anger and people become bitter, you, you let the sun go down on your anger, you don't deal with, you don't reconcile. Have you ever seen somebody older in life? I'm sure you've seen some older folks who are just full of joy, right? Happy, jolly people, you just love being around them. You're like, that's so cool. I want to be like that when I'm 80. That's the bomb right there. That's like the best. But you've also seen some other people that were really, really agitated and grumpy all the time, right? Do you think they were born that way? They weren't born that way. Those were little kids that played in the sandbox like everybody else. Might have sat in church just like us. But at some point along the way, sun started going down in their anger. At some point along the way, the devil began to get a foothold. At some point along the way, the foothold was not dealt with and became a stronghold. And all of a sudden, somebody's a miserable person. You're like, what happened to them? How did the devil get into their life? Whatever happened? I tell you where it happened. There was a thought, an argument, and a pretense, and it wasn't taken captive. That's what happened in their life. And it began to grow, and it began to fester, and a foothold became a stronghold, and then the rest is history. We weren't made for that church. We were made for freedom. We were made to be sons and daughters that are blood-bought, that he came to redeem and live an abundant life, not all caught up and entangled or pulled back and held back. This is really, really important because there are well-intended believers who still have stuff in their life, little foothold kind of dragging along. Yes, they're as saved as they'll ever be. They're going to heaven, but boy, they're sure not living an abundant life. They can't because they're limping and walking wounded and things pulling back on them and like trying to you know, get down the road. God didn't make you for that. God made you to live liberated. And these are some of the things, areas of attack. This is how how it worked. It says that we are called to demolish strongholds. Last week, I referenced that movie, The Avengers. How many of you guys saw that movie, The Avengers? 
All the guys, well, some of the ladies did. They salute you, ladies. You saw Avengers. That's very cool. Um, If you got kids, you saw it because the kids love it. In the Avengers, instead of one superhero, you got all of them. They all have a different thing going on. But the one in there, Hulk. Hulk is very limited. He's not the sharpest superhero, but there's one thing he does really well, and everybody knows it. Smash. That's all Hulk does. Smash. There's a part in the movie where all hell is caving in on the, on, on the universe. Hell is having a field day. Hell is invading earth at a, at, a, at a momentum and a pace that's like unbelievable. You're watching it going, no way. How can this ever turn around? Hell invading earth. And there's a turning point in the movie where they look over to Hulk and they say, Hulk, smash. And Hulk goes to the biggest, baddest demonic thing coming and starts smashing hell, starts to demolish hell. Strongholds are coming. Smash, smash. Not real calculated, not real smart. It's just this big green thing, right? But boom, smash, boom, smash. And he's smashing this stuff. And the whole momentum begins to shift. To see, there's a liberated universe when these things were being smashed. And we are called, Christian, by very design in God's nature, we are called to demolish strongholds. This isn't some ethereal concept or premise or for some people that maybe are, we, the body of Christ, the family of believers, we are called to recognize, take captive certain thoughts, pretenses, say, Jesus, is this you? And if something is being built up, if there's some stronghold going on, it was a, a foothold that somehow became some stronghold, demolish it. Don't look at it. Don't navigate it. Don't play with it. Don't tolerate it. Demolish it. Does that make sense? Demolish these things. This is where liberation comes in. You'll have a far greater testimony. We, we demolish any arguments and pretensions against the knowledge of God. That means God knows better, God says differently, but we're believing a lie. We're believing something that's not from God and we're actually believing it is true. The problem with that is we begin to act on what we believe. Anything we believe, we will act on. And when we start believing a pretension, an argument, um, a thought, a pretense, all of a sudden we begin to act on it and we're not checking in with God. We're called to demolish these things. Don't entertain the arguments Take them captive and cast them down. It says demolish. The the concept here is to literally pull down and overthrow. If they're taking place in any sort of manifestation in our life, and this is where everyone has to do their own heart inventory and get with God. What What kind of lie have I ever believed? Am I believing a lie? And here's something about lies. Lies are compounded because of our past. Do you know that? Depending on the past, depending on the way you were raised, the way I was raised, the experiences we went through, The past is like a big magnifying glass. There are many people spending their next 60 years working out what happened in the first eight. You know that? In the first eight years of their life, stuff happened. They're spending the next 60, 70 years trying to work out that mess back there. Jesus came to redeem that which was lost. He restores breaches. He came to make us whole. That's what he does. He makes people whole. And he's really good at this. But there are deeper dimensions to understanding when, when someone's a believer and they're not whole, um, God wants them to be whole. God doesn't want them to be broken their whole life. And I know this, I've seen so many testimonies, mine is one of them, that I went through stuff, I could be all messed up, I could not be here today because of stuff I went through. But I am and I'm standing to tell you that God is so alive and he wants us free from past because our past can't dictate our future. Maybe the devil had your past 
Anybody in the room, the devil had a moment of your past at all? Okay, don't give him your present and certainly don't give him your future. But unless we stop and reconcile with stuff, guess what he does? And one year turns to the next and we learn how to navigate or limp a little bit better and move along and there's no freedom in that and there's no future in that and that's not what we were called to. We need to discern pretenses, thoughts, arguments, take captive. Jesus, is this what you said? Oh, if you didn't say it, it's coming from, I didn't know where it came from, but I was starting to believe it. Uh Uh-uh, not anymore. I'm casting it down. In fact, it's been growing in my life. It's a stronghold. I'm going to demolish it. I'm going to do what Hulk does, smash. God's got a word for you today, church. It's prophetic. Christy, smash. Eddie, smash. Robert, smash. Lisa, smash. You guys getting it? Peter, smash. Smash. Do what you do. I've given you divine, divine, divine resources to demolish. You don't got to do this in your own strength, like where am I going to get a big enough hammer? This is spiritual. I see it now. I didn't see it before. It has been limping me along. I am done with it. I am over. Hell had a moment in my life. It's not having any longer. The devil is not holding me back. I was called to run the race with endurance, not limp and barely survive and get along. I was called to run and, and with victory, with my eyes on the prize. And I can't do that if I'm excusing and whining. If you know what I went through and my life is just messed up and this is because, you know, you don't know what happened to me. There's plenty of people that way worse stuff happened to them than any of us. And they've got these cool testimonies because they learn how to deal with this early on. Believe me, you want to deal with this early on. You don't want to wait. You don't want to wait years and years and years to deal with this stuff. You want to be like, David, search me, oh God, know my ways. Now's the time. Do surgery, God. Do surgery now. I know you've got other stuff out there and I don't have time to wait. God, do what you need to do. Whatever you want to do, have your way. If it's stuff that's got to go away, you made me to be liberated, God. I, whatever my past, whatever's holding me up, whatever lie I'm believing, whatever uh, foothold in my life that became a stronghold, yes, I'm a Christian and yes, I have heaven and hell can't take that from me, but God, I'm not living an abundant life. What is it, God? And God will show you. In fact, we have a ministry around here that deals with this specific area, the ministry of breaking every chain that Lisa and Joe are leading with an amazing team of people. So I want to, if you, you know, contact the office and we can connect you. But if there's a, uh, an area that you know specifically um, that, yeah, there's things and they are hindering future. Past is hindering present and future. That to me, to put it simply, is the best qualifier. Not the exclusive qualifier, but that is the best qualifier. Because you weren't made for dragon stuff. There's a point where you go back, you turn rocks over, you deal with, you get free, and you run, okay? You're not any more saved than you were, but you're certainly more liberated. Does that make sense? You were made for liberation. This is important. It's a freedom ministry, for lack of better words, and, and God made you for freedom. Here's, the, here's what happens. When we believe a lie of any kind, we begin to compromise our, our lifestyle, and then, believe it or not, we begin to justify it. We won't just believe it and do it. We'll justify it. Well, you know, of course, God wanted me to be happy. <laughs> God wants me to be happy. <laughs> Did Jesus say that? Take that thought captive right now. Take it captive. Of course, he wants me to be happy. Did Jesus say that to you? When I read the Bible, he wants you to be holy before he wants you to be happy. 
In fact, he doesn't really talk about your happiness. He talks about your joy, which is very important to the Lord. Your joy, your joy, church, is very important to the Lord. Not your happiness based on all the happenings around you. And the thing, the universe is never going to revolve around you and me the way we want it to, and things are going to always upset us. Therefore, we will never ultimately be happy this side of heaven because we can't control the things happening around us. So happiness is not the scriptural promise of God. I came that you might be happy. I just want you to be happy. Everybody, please, family, be happy. That's not the heart of God. And yet there are so many people with these crazy pursuits or pulling ripcords on their marriage and doing all this like, well, of course God wants me to be happy. <laughs> Who told you that? Who told you that? Take that thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Jesus, are you good with this? Did you say that? You didn't? Oh man, I was starting to believe it. I almost acted on it. Now I'm gonna cast it down. Now Boom, I'm going to smash, 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 Mary, smash, Roy, smash, Franco, smash. You guys get it? That's when the whole thing starts to turn around. Smash. Look, I wonder, I don't, smash. You have divine power to smash arguments, lies, and pretenses that you don't even know where they came from. But in this side of heaven, it's hard to quantify, but you'll see it later. Some invisible dart from the enemy somehow got in the concept of the idea, didn't ask for it, didn't sign up for it. We didn't take it captive. It's in rotation now. And now we're humming the song, just like a bad top 40 song that you can't stand. But pretty soon, you start singing the tune. And pretty soon, you start acting on it. And then when we act on it, then we begin to justify it. Perfect example of that, Adam and Eve. God gave them counsel, Right? The devil, his schemes, his schemes is to come in with an argument and a pretense. Comes up to Eve and says, you know, the only reason you're not supposed to have that, I mean, you're an exception first of all, aren't you? I mean, come on, that's not for everybody. It's not for you. God doesn't want you to be like him. And he knows that if you have this, you will be like him. And don't you want to be like him? It'd be pretty cool being like God, wouldn't it? Well, I I mean, it could be. I mean, maybe, I don't know. See the argument, the pretense? And she starts stewing on this argument, this pretense, this thought. She didn't take it captive. She didn't make it obedient to God. She actually began to stew on the pretense. And before you know it, this pretense is starting to go, yeah, I guess you're right. It does look good to the eyes. It does good good to the flesh. And I think it will make me wise. Hmm, maybe I will. And she ends up indulging. Adam ends up indulging. They believe the lie. The consequence was their sin. The next scene that we see is God walking through the garden going, hey, guys, where are you? He knows where they are. They're hiding. And they're like, uh, we're, we're, we're hiding. I was like, you're hiding? You've never hid from me. Why, why are you hiding all of a sudden? He says, well, we were, we were naked and afraid, so we're hiding. And God says, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that? Somebody told you that and you believed it, Eve. Well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Who told you that? And I believe the same is true for you and I. We hold on to something, we start believing it, and God wants to tell you the word for us today, church, is a question from the Spirit of God, who told you that? Who told you that? Whatever you're believing right now, you're thinking or acting on or whatever, who told you that? God didn't tell us some of this stuff. Well, of course, you know, I mean, you know, I, I would just think that, you know, it'd be natural for kind of, you know, this would be, I deserve it, don't I? I mean, come on. And we start thinking, we go down the road with an argument of pretense. Well, if you don't know what they did to me, I'm writing them off. And who told you that? Well, it's just, you know, I don't expect me to put up, who told you that? 
There's so many things. We've got to make it obedient to Christ. And if we can't make it obedient to Christ, take it captive. Make it obedient to Christ. If not, cast it down. Cast it down. Throw it down. Don't ponder it and look at it and go, I wonder. No, cast it down. Do a King Kong. Grab it and throw it down, okay? And then do a Hulk. Smash, okay? Everyone say King Kong. Kong. Grab it, smash, okay? Okay? That's what you do. You grab it, you throw it down. You're not good there. Then you smash it. Smash, Christian. Smash. That's the heart of God, that we don't play with stuff. Like when it comes, take it captive, throw it down. It sounds easy. It sounds subtle. But this is the way the devil's been doing it from the beginning. Look at the illustration with Eve. That's exactly what he did. An idea, a pretense, an argument that she didn't take captive, that she acted on. And then not only that, remember I said we justify it? You know what she did? God comes to Adam and goes, what's the big idea? What are you doing? And he's like, well, the woman you gave me. I mean, don't blame me. Come on, you gave me the woman. It's her. Look at me, look at her. I mean, come on. This is how we justify. We do the same thing. Don't act like we're different. We're laughing, but we do the same thing. We act on a lie if we don't take it captive, if we don't smash it, and then we begin to justify what we do. And uh, the message version, in fact, if the worship team comes out, this would be great. Uh, The message version says this of the same passage. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. So we take these warped philosophies that come up and they're barriers to God and they're, they're loose thoughts, emotions, and impulses and they're flying everywhere and they're coming out. We don't even know where they came. I don't know where it came from, but they come and they will come again. And if we don't take them captive, if we don't test them, make them obedient to Christ, say, Christ, I'm yours, I'm not my own. Is this you or not? Because if not, I'm not just gonna justify this. I'm not, in fact, Wow, this almost wrecked me. I almost made a left turn. My whole life direction almost changed because I believed it. Wow, the devil did that? I'm not playing with this. I'm taking it. I'm doing a King Kong on it. I'm casting it down. And then I'm doing a Hulk on it. Smash. Because God, you give us divine power. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. God came for your freedom. It's a full gospel. He came for your salvation. He came down for you. He came for your present as well as your future. And I want to close as we close in prayer right now. In fact, our worship team is going to come up on this idea of the battle is in your mind. And as we close in prayer, I just want you to reflect what lie you might be believing, what thing may have been in rotation in your life that maybe we didn't take captive. And maybe we've already been going down a road with something, maybe even a long time going down a road. And God says, you know what? I restore breaches. I can do a rewind. I can do a rewind, I can go back and we could do some healing and renewal. You know, we're supposed to be putting on the mind of Christ and the renewing of our mind. I wanna encourage you, if you have any prayer needs, come up and see our prayer team. But I wanna close in prayer right now that all of us will check our heart and have a new sense of spiritual awareness to know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You don't have to be freaked out about this. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But to start recognizing sources And don't blaming a natural source for something that's spiritual. And don't take a a, a response in the natural when it's really spiritual. And take thoughts captive. Is this you, God? Are you good with this? Did you say that? And if not, 
Throw it down. I mean, throw it down and smash it. That is where victory begins, church. And God came for your victory. So this is a victory message for you today. I encourage you all to take it to heart, pray about it, read this passage later on, camp out with God. Mighty God, we love you and we praise you and we lift your name on high. We just thank you, God, for, for what you're doing, Lord God. I just thank you that you're... Your word is so alive. I just pray that we would be a people who recognizing God, we will recognize your power. We would recognize the divine resources you gave us, that we would recognize that, that we are in fact more than conquerors, God. You didn't make us to survive. You made us for victory, God. I just pray everyone in the room, Lord, any areas of belief, Lord God, um, that aren't from you, Lord, we would start to make them obedient to you, God. We would take them. We wouldn't ponder them. We wouldn't hold on to them. Matters of unforgiveness, Lord, there'd be a casting down, rapidly, Lord. Even today, right now, in the privacy of hearts, there would be a casting down of things that, that simply aren't from you, God. And so, Lord, would you do that, Lord God? Would you show us what these things are? Your spirit knows all things and searches all things, God. And I just pray that you would show us how to cast some things down, Lord. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com